hi, and welcome to Color Me Curious. Color Me Curious is a weekly storytelling podcast telling you stories that we find curious in the realm of true crime, folklore, and the paranormal. I am Sarah. And I'm Zasha. much for tuning in uh what are you curious about this week z so shrill season three came out best show ever and i've already binged it and i'm very upset because i didn't realize it was season three the last season yeah and it has been such a good show i love it so much Mm -hmm. and i watched the last episode and then quickly looked up like okay when's season four coming out because it doesn't leave you they think that they left us in a good spot they did not leave us in a good spot have you watched it no i've been putting it off because i knew it was the last and i shrill is such a meaningful book to me and the show is incredible and i have been putting it off to fully enough things have ended and closed this year I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it for a while. I'm gonna let it. You, you should. That's why I never finished uh, pushing daisies or the good place. Or you never watched finish the good place. No, because I just want no. them to continue on. No, you have to. I know. It, it gives you good resolution. Okay, well I'll watch that one. But truly, there are so many shows that I've. This is like a Matthew knows this about me. Maybe not to the full extent, but this is like a genuine character flaw that I have. I will just completely ignore the last episode of a series and never watch it the OA never watched it I mean I think they didn't have like a full final I don't think so either I think what happened is I didn't watch the last episode of what we thought was the last season and then they like made another so that kind of yeah undermined no you have to watch the good place ending it's so beautiful and perfect it's like one of the most amazing finales i just uh you know i survived everybody's character gets like a good resolution everybody's character has growth oh i love the i survived the ending of parks and rec and then after that one i was like well there's never gonna be one better than this it answered all my questions yeah and then i stopped watching the last episodes of series (laughs) pretty little liars I invested so much into that oh, no, show, I, I gave and up then I didn't finish ago. it. I Makes no up. sense. It just, I don't. I, honestly, there was never going to be a good resolution. The most they, violent they lost show. Their fucking minds, like the most violent show for teens. Season <laughs> like episode one, season two, they lost their fucking minds. Like, wish, that was done. I wish Pretty Little Liars came out in the nineties at the height of like kids don't kill people tv shows tell kids to kill people because truly they may have had a solid argument with that show when they this is not a spoiler because i'm not going to remember any characters names but when they opened the top of the barrel and there was just a dead person there i have no idea and it was just a random episode there was no build-up it was not and it was like a regular character of the show i was like oh they don't care about anything no they don't care god i love that i I know from like internet that there was like a twin that was discovered from somebody's i got it was a perfectly so nutso show ridiculous loved but it never anyway, watched the end what about you what are you curious about this week Ooh, um 
what I was curious about is I had heard through history classes and uh, being partnered with a, a history nerd, not in classes, in real life, shout out to our producer, Matthew, <laughs> who's a history nerd, that the Roosevelt White House Just had really nerd. bad food and that people would... Had you ever heard this? No. So they had terrible food, and people would, like, eat before they came to the White House, and it was just vile. They Like, like for guests and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, like, They would have, like, real dinners, and the food was, like, not good. And so oh, people no. would eat ahead of time. And what I found out through, thanks, TikTok. This is really just Sarah's corner of TikTok wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Is it verified? Is it not? I don't know. Um, this is verified, though. Uh, the reason it was so bad is that uh, the First Lady... It was during the Depression, and the First Lady was like, listen, if the whole country right. is eating this kind of food, it's really messed up for us not to. Yes. And for us to throw big oh, banquets. Good so job. if the whole country is subsisting on 10 cents a person a meal, whatever, we're going to like extrapolate that and do it in our kitchen. And it had, I want to say it like got the message across, but I think most people just thought she was a terrible hostess. Uh. But, like, it's, she wasn't. There was lots of mutton, apparently. Oh, no. Just, like, a lot of mutton, which just, I can't say that I've ever eaten anything called mutton. I've never eaten mutton. I don't want to eat mutton, I just though. imagine it's, like, very gamey. Yeah, that's what I'm tough. thinking. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite things that they mentioned was uh, deviled eggs, which I was like, yeah! Mm-mm. And then they were like, in tomato sauce. And I was like... No. No. Why not just stop at the deviled eggs? No. Are you not a deviled eggs fan? I, I've eaten them, but I don't want them in tomato sauce. Yeah, I, I definitely I don't want them in tomato sauce. I won't go out of my way to eat a deviled egg. See, I worked in a bar, and that was where that was, like, our most popular food item, and so it's what I ate That's most so nights. Crazy for a bar? Yeah, in my 20s, I ate a lot of deviled eggs. I don't know. I think people have their, their egg, you know? And for me, Sasha, I what like, would your egg be? It's a runny egg, perfectly runny. Uh-huh. I'm really, really good at making them so yes. that they break at the top and pour all over your food. And, and then I talking... will put that shit on top of anything. We're talking yolk runny, not yolk runny. Yes, yes, yes. Agreed. So the white has to be cooked, Same. but the yolk is perfectly runny. It takes longer to cook than you'd expect it, it to. It does. Because people overdo it with their eggs. They're really bad at it. And that's like one of the few things I cook very very well are you a flipper do you flip no i don't flip right because i feel like there's two very distinct camps for a runny fried egg yeah and there's i flip but i turn off the Uh, the um burner i don't flip i put a lid on for like Mm -hmm. 10 seconds and then until the like white films over and that's it yeah that's the best way yeah because i will say this as a flipper you dance with the devil. You don't know. You don't know if you're it's going to You're a full break. Demi Lovato song. You, you don't, don't know. know if it's going to, like, get hard on the bottom no. as well. You might, like, it'd be perfect and then I mean, you go this to is, flip this it. I mean, this is exhilarating conversation. Honestly? Egg talk. I've also been a lot watching a lot of Guy's Grocery Games. So I love I'm, that show. Like, out of my mind right now. Guy Fieri. <laughs> honestly, the hero we deserved. Love him. But didn't expect to deserve. I love him. I would vote for him doing anything. He has been such a low-key <laughs> hero of uh, a lot of disasters, but I know. especially it's the great. pandemic. I mean, restaurant, he's raised like, yeah. so much money for restaurant workers. Anyway, that's it. I love it. I care a lot about eggs. I <laughs> yeah. recently purchased a very bougie handmade egg hairpin. <laughs> what? 
Wait, what? I'll explain it offline because this is podcast is not a visual medium. Okay. I <laughs> There's an artist. Check out our stories. And Check out our stories. We'll post a picture. There. We'll shout out the Etsy store. Um, it's an amazing artist out of Philly, uh, but she <laughs> makes. She has a fast food collection, so I ordered hot dog earrings and a fried egg shaped. It's like a a hair. Oh yeah 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 pen that. I'm very excited. I also recently invested in a selection of hair clips from the podcast Scam Goddess. Shout out to Scam Diva Lacey uh, that say <laughs> scam, fraud, and robbery. <laughs> because <laughs> this is the last thing I'll say about it. Uh, number one, it's great. It's great uh, podcast merch. Like, it's yeah. just great. It's hysterical. Lacey's incredible. But I also like the idea of it existing in my, like, costume jewelry box for future right. generations to find and be like, why did great aunt Sarah have this hairpin that says robbery? It's like when I found the pin in my grandma's jewelry box going through it that had a, uh, oh God, I'm sorry, some of my family listens to this, uh, a man... And a woman engaging in certain things, and you moved the pin, and it did stuff. Did you keep it? No, my uncle kept it. Okay, but someone kept it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it like a lapel (laughs) pin or like a writing Yes, no, like a lapel pin. Yeah, that's incredible. No, it was amazing. I found a necklace uh, when (laughs) I first, I want to say it was when I first moved to New York, and I was moving, because I had like stayed at my parents' house for a couple months, and after college, and then moved uh, to the city, and... I found a necklace in my mother's jewelry box that's just, it just says sexy bitch. Mm. Shout out to Marlene. Marlene I have is it a right sexy now. bitch. She is. I'm not going to lie. It's great. And I've gotten no story about it, and I don't need a story about it. I just think we should all strive to be the person. <laughs> be the eccentric aunt you wish you had is all yes. we're saying. Or that you didn't think you had, and then you discover you yes. did. Mm -hmm. all right anyway our drink this week um which will make sense in a moment curious cocktails we should i like that jingle can you do that again curious cocktails will i remember it next time who knows doesn't matter we can play it back it's on (laughs) tape um also i have a nice deep raspy voice i'm so old (laughs) because uh we were out celebrating all weekend yes i will talk about that later yes uh (laughs) i think also just in general celebrating being out of my own house and yeah man yelling through a mask is hard i mean talking through a mask is yelling which is difficult also if you don't have a mask because you're in a group of safely vaccinated adults outdoors you still end up overcompensating. Oh, yes, you do. Anyway, so I have this deep, raspy <laughs> voice so I can make I it think it's also sexy. Thank you so <laughs> You're much, You're almost Sasha. as sexy as Marlene is. <laughs> oh, man. I strive to be the sexy, half of the sexy bitch that my mother is. Mom, I am so sorry. Okay. Anyway. We've had a lot of this curious cocktail. So this curious cocktail it? that's very potent um, is called the Monkey See, Monkey Do. And again, it'll make more sense in a moment, but uh, we used Howler Monkey uh, banana-infused bourbon. It exists, Mm. and it came with a cool t-shirt, which is definitely why we purchased it, but it's also pretty solid. 
Um, not as bizarre sounding or as bizarre tasting as it sounds. So it's a shot and a half of that, half a shot of either if you have regular coffee or a coffee liqueur. I used uh, Mr. Black because I'm obsessed with it, which is a coffee liqueur, but you could also just use regular coffee. And then uh, half an ounce of a honey liqueur, or you could use regular honey or simple syrup if you like. Shake it over ice and strain it, and I put an orange peel in it just for a little citrus. Um, Citrus. It's really good. It's really good, but it is very strong. We are drinking very small glasses of it, uh, and I am already... Uh, saying citrus. So now I'm so very curious as are. to what your story is because of this monkey, monkey see, monkey do cocktail. Yes. So, um, my story this week. So, it kind of bridges a, a, I would say our entire oeuvre. Like there's a folk folklore. There's not really a paranormal, but like kind of aspect. And then there's uh, definitely some criminal aspects to it unfortunately um but my story is the story of the girl with no name uh the story of marina chapman her first memory which is from what she believes was shortly before her fifth birthday she was playing she lived in columbia she was playing in her village uh with other kids and then she became aware of two adults creeping behind her she remembers a hand putting a white handkerchief over her mouth and then the next thing she knew, she was she woke up and she was in a vehicle being driven deep into the Colombian rainforest where she was thrown out of the car and the people in the car left. Shit. Five years old-ish, we think. Um, she thought that the kidnappers would return for her. Um, she thought, you know, she had no, she was five. She had no concept of where she was. She thought maybe it was a joke. Maybe, like, her family would come passersby etc she screamed and she cried and no one ever came so she was there for what she thinks is maybe like a day and then she kind of started wandering through trying to find other signs of life no one ever came after her that she's aware of she came across a community of capuchin monkeys so small monkeys who are you know it hasn't been you'll find out there's some elements of the story that are some say questionable, but it's believed that the monkeys are capuchin monkeys based on the area that she would have been in and how she described interacting with them. Capuchin monkeys do tend to interact with humans very well, which is why, unfortunately, they tend to be the type of monkey that um, humans experiment on, which is awful. But it's because they're very friendly, they're very smart, they're really good at gauging a situation. So she came across a community of these monkeys. She's five years old. She thinks they're cute. She decides to settle in that part of the jungle because she's like, they're kind of like me, even though I'm bigger than them. Like, whatever. They didn't care, which she's very lucky because monkeys can't kill you. Yeah. And if you invade a group, if it had been like breeding season or something like that, she could be in a ton of danger. Um those monkeys could have swarmed. Yeah, monkeys can be really scary. Yeah, especially smart ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've all seen Outbreak. Just kidding. Don't watch Outbreak. But, um, so the monkeys luckily ignored her. Um, she, she said she wanted to be a part of the monkey family, but they showed no interest in her, which was lucky. So she kind of started watching them. She didn't grow up uh, until that point in the jungle, but she was nearby, so she knew vaguely what was safe to eat and what wasn't she's still a little kid so she watched what the monkeys ate that kind of thing she at one point ate a tamarind fruit 
that turned out to have been contaminated with something. She got really sick. She got really bad food poisoning. She thought she was going to die. But an elderly monkey, who she since has called Grandpa, led her to muddy water. You know, they're small. Capuchins are small monkeys. So he didn't, like, pick her up. There was none of this, like, Tarzan-style, like, Phil Collins in the background, like, leading to nothing like that. But she said he kept gesturing to her and led her to the muddy water. She drank some. She finally was able to, like, purge some of the yucky stuff that she'd eaten. And then she began to recover. And after that, she says the young monkeys seemed to trust her because Grandpa had and befriend her in a way that, honestly, a lot of people have made a big deal about and said that she was the girl that was raised by monkeys. She's this feral child. Which she says is basically, like, they weren't scared of her and they kind of tolerate her presence. Which honestly is huge because to have any sort of ally. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. Sorry. No, it's fine. So she, like, was able to more blatantly, you know, follow them. She says that basically when they would bring in bananas, she would stand underneath them and they would tolerate this. And so she'd catch what they inevitably dropped. (laughs) If they were, like, bringing in any sort of food source, she'd just take the scraps. And they were like, yeah, that's cool. They weren't, like, bringing her food. They were probably, like, this really dumb monkey just showed up. And it's just, like, fine, I guess. Like, really don't want to be responsible for this. Species of monkey. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So... She said they, uh, basically by following them, by mimicking them, she learned how to climb the trees uh, to the best of her ability. She learned what was safe to eat, what wasn't, how to clean herself, where to find fresh water, everything like that. So essentially how to survive. So in a way, she was sort of raised by them. Um, She said they were just tolerating at first. They don't really love you. One day, one of the younger ones landed on my shoulders. And if you've never been hugged in your life, and then this animal climbs over your shoulders and puts their hands on your face, I tell you it's the nicest touch. Aww, which is, like, really heartwarming and so beautiful. sad. There's this, sorry, there's this, uh, did you ever watch Scrubs? They have yes. the character, the loneliest man in the world, where yeah. he gets, like, it's the writer who plays one of the characters, like, the mailman or something, and he gets, like, rubbed on the shoulder, like, passing by, and he goes, mmm, as he, like, turns <laughs> his it's the loneliest man in the world it's so Mm. real though when i used to do stand-up i had a joke that every time i got tired of uh my own company and i wanted a human touch i would just go to soho on a saturday and uh elbow check tourists (laughs) but it's much more pure to be touched by a monkey anyway so very sweet but mostly it wasn't that right like mostly she was just you know mimicking them that sort of thing. And she survived that way for five years. Five years! Five years. So from the ages of five to ten, she survived this way. Uh, roughly five to ten. Because, again, we don't know confirmed, like, what age. But around then. She says everything became about food. Uh, you get up in the morning and think, what will you find to eat? You go to sleep and think, what can you eat tomorrow? I'd amuse myself playing with birds, creepy crawly bugs, and lizards. But her favorite, she says her favorite pastime was sitting in the trees being groomed by the monkeys. Because, again, human touch, you're a little kid. Aww. Like, you don't, you know, have any sort of community or connection. And she, at that point, had lost all language. Right. She yeah. could, she couldn't, she couldn't really communicate with the monkeys. But, like, she could communicate in the sense of, like, we are two living beings who understand if this is a thing to eat and this isn't. Yeah. So they... 
understood each other and there was still some form of language, but it wasn't suddenly she's fluent and monkey. Like, nothing like that. <laughs> nothing preposterous. The whole, like, folklore of child raised by wolves or raised by monkeys. It's not quite that level. Um, which is why, personally, I think this is a really compelling and believable story. Yeah. So, she lasted five years in the jungle. She would see hunters come through the jungle pretty frequently, she says, but she never approached them um, because they had a ton of weapons. They seemed yeah. really scary. They in it's probably for the best. I don't... Yeah. I hardly doubt anything would have come out that no, wasn't bad. Not at all. Well, you'll see. Uh, just wait. It gets worse. Oh, shit. So, um... Finally, she was around 10 or 11, roughly, um, and she finally just craved human contact. She said she just felt, even though she felt accepted by the monkeys to a certain extent, like she she was still living in the jungle all alone, and she's a child, and she was like, okay, the next group of hunters that seem even a little bit kind, I'm going to talk to so, but she'd lost all language by this point. Also, she was fully nude because her right, clothes didn't survive. Ask, like, how long do clothes yeah, last? Yeah, this isn't a Disney original movie where they're like, the monkeys show her how to dress. Or The monkeys don't care. They're like, where's all of your hair? I don't know. You're not a monkey like us. Sorry about it. So, um, she essentially approached the group of hunters in a way that she thought was welcoming, which turned out to be, like, on all fours, um, pleading in grunts for them to rescue her is the way that she puts it. And so they were honestly surprised, mm-hmm. as we could all imagine. Um, and they did take her out of the jungle, but uh, they sold her to a brothel. Yep. Because all men are terrible and you're Sounds safer with wild about animals. right. Yep. So they sold her to a brothel in a nearby town. She was 10 or 11, so her job specifically was to clean uh, clean up. She was like a house girl of the brothel. Um, and she s- says she was regularly beaten. They named her Gloria. She didn't know her, what her name had been before um, or even her full age. She could only estimate um, kind of based on working backwards in time. So they named her Gloria. Um, she lasted there for around a year, it seems, maybe two Uh, It came time to where they were going to basically call in their chips and assign her to the traditional work of the brothel. And she left the house and ran as she had never ran before. So she she states she never had to participate in sex work or anything like that. I did read a couple interviews which were like, are you saying this to like protect your family? And she was like, no, I, you know, maybe it was divine intervention. Maybe it was something, but I managed to get out of there. Right. And I ran. Um, so from the brothel, she ends up living on the street. She's still a small kid. She's very, um, you know, undersized. She's lived in the jungle. Mm -hmm. She's not like super well nourished. So she looks like a little kid still. And she lived on the streets of Kukuta, um, with other homeless children. Uh, they renamed her Pony Malta and they're sort of like ragtag group of child pickpockets, uh, because they said she resembled the drink. Which, if you're familiar, I think a lot of cultures have a version of Malta or Malta yeah. Goya or Malta India. Pony Malta is the smaller bottle. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I, no, it's, it's so delicious. It's one of my favorite drinks. Um, but I think that's very cute that they called her yeah. Pony Malta. 
Um, and she put the skills she had learned from the monkeys to use by becoming an excellent pickpocket and even teaching some of the other children. So she was a regular artful dodger. That's amazing. Um, they did say in one of the articles that what they would do is find the really fashionable women um, in short skirts and they would pull down their underwear so the women would grab their, they would drop their bags and then run with the bags. What? Which is so bonkers, but also like a pretty solid scheme. Yeah. I mean. You know? So she does that for a little while. She's on the streets. She's a pickpocket, but I mean, is there such a thing as like a successful child pickpocket? Yeah. Yes, and then maybe. So eventually, a friend told Marina how she had escaped the streets by working as a domestic. So she was like, okay, well, I can trade, you know, my work in someone's home for a room and board. Can't be worse than the brothel or being raised by monkeys. Did she speak at this point? Uh, she spoke, but she, um, they said she was still pretty limited in language. Right. Okay. Because I think as, like, you pick up the vocabulary you're around. Right. Right. And some of it came back, uh, some of it she had to relearn. Yeah, I mean, she had the first, her first five years where it is where your language Where you're learning language, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, she decides that, you know, she'll go into service and start working as a domestic. So she found a family who agreed to take her on. They renamed her Rosalba, so she goes from becoming, from being named Gloria Gloria to Rosalba. Um, however, it turned out that the family was actually part of the mafia, uh, and they were notorious criminals, and they too enslaved her, because this poor woman cannot what catch a break. What the hell? But. She was better off with the monkeys. She was truly better off with the monkeys. Let this be a lesson to everybody. But she uh, befriended a neighbor. The neighbor was amazing and eventually helped her escape. Uh, the neighbor had nine children living all over Colombia, and one of her daughters lived in Bogota, and uh, she said, I can, here's a plane ticket, here's a new dress, I'll send you to live with my daughter. They won't suspect anything. Honestly, the mafia probably didn't care. Mm -hmm. They probably just, like, didn't want to deal with it. So she was safe. She was sent to Bogota. Uh, the, her new family picked her up at the airport. She's wearing this brand new dress. She said, basically, like, you don't understand what a gift is until something like that's given to you, which, of course, is a beautiful story. Um, when she arrived, her new family told her she was free and she was finally allowed to choose her own name. So she chose the name Luz Marina after a oh. Colombian beauty queen, which is great. So her adoptive family turned out to be pretty prosperous. Uh, they were in the textile business. Um... She was older than their children, but only by, like, 10 or so years. So, essentially, they were like, she's the au pair. She's the nanny. But they treated her like a member of the family. So, in 1977, uh, the family sent their children to Bradford, England, which was one of the centers of the wool industry to, like, a school there. Um, <clears throat> because they felt like they should get an English education. And they sent Marina with them as their nanny slash chaperone, etc. Um, in the first week that they were there, they went to church. She didn't consider herself partic particularly um, religious, and neither was the family that she had joined. But essentially, it was like a small English town in the countryside. Mm -hmm. You gotta go to the church. Um, so she goes to the church, and she meets this man named John Chapman. She and John had no common language. But they had fell in love at first sight, and six months to the day after they met, they got married. That's crazy. So they, he didn't speak 
Spanish. She didn't speak English at all when they got married. It was, it was kind of going back to the like body language and like yeah. implicit conversation that like she used with the monkeys, which I think is wild. Yeah. How many times she has I to fall back on that? I actually knew a couple like that. That's it was beautiful. My, some of my grandma's friends, and the man spoke no Spanish. And the woman spoke no English. They were really old when I knew them, like, 20 years ago. Wow. And it was funny because I would go visit them with my grandma, and he'd be like, oh, she's so annoying. All she does is bother me. And then the woman would be, like, on the other side being like, I hate this old man. He's the (laughs) worst. All he does is sit around. But, like, in Spanish. Mm -hmm. But they, like, loved each other and had been married for, like, 30-plus years. And it was just, like, guys, like, what? Maybe this is why you're fine. (laughs) But I guess they could, like, let out all their, like, frustrations in a different language. I think they must have, like, understood each other. Yeah. But not wanted to, like, actually communicate in the other person's language. And then just sort of, like, well, I guess you don't understand me. I'm going to say you're an old man who scratches his underparts and sits around all day. Exactly that I hate your cooking as I'm like gobbling it all down because you don't understand me. Yeah. So you heard it here first, folks. Uh, (laughs) Secret to a happy marriage: not 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 speaking speaking the same same language language as your spouse. Um. So they got married, which is lovely. And then she felt like she had her own family. Um. They did. She did eventually learn English, and he learned some Spanish. Um. But because they were in England. She felt like she needed to learn yeah. the local language. Um, they had two children, and she didn't tell them anything about where she came from. So wow. when her kids were young, she would tell them bedtime stories uh, about the about jungle monkeys. and her monkey friends. She'd show her kids how to climb trees, which she was really good at. She'd walk around on all fours. She'd run on all fours, and she was really fast. And the kids didn't think it was weird. They just thought that was yeah. what moms did. Um, and it wasn't until they were teenagers that they started realizing, oh, oh no, our mom's weird. Uh, Marina says, when I came out of the jungle, I had to learn how to sit in a chair, how to open doors, sanitation, and all the things I'd never done. I'm still really bad in terms of sitting down and behaving like anyone else. I watch people eating their food and I copy them. I felt I'd been a bad person as a child and that stays with you. Because you were brought up in a brothel house, so you feel bad about it. You feel you shouldn't mention it to anybody. Your family adopts you as a child, and you think if you tell them, they'll chuck you out. She also didn't tell her adoptive parents that she'd been sold to the brothel or that she'd lived with monkeys. As far as her adopted parents and her husband knew, she um, had been a domestic, had been helped, you know, to freedom and uh, come to the U.K., Um, she says your family adopts you as a child and you think if you tell them these things they'll chuck you out I was frightened people would try to exercise me because they think you've got something vile in your life so just thinking of all not only the fact that she was kidnapped that she was abandoned that she survived by herself without another human being for five years then she was sent to a brothel and then she escaped like all of these things um, and she internalized them which I think so many People in situations, I don't want to say like this because this is a particularly unique situation, I think we can all uh, admit, Um, but I think that's kind of pervasive and it's really heartbreaking. Um, So essentially Marina focused on becoming, quote, normal in their English life. She trained as a chef, 
eventually she worked her way up to become the chef at Bradford's National Media Museum. They made a home in Bradford. They become became like pillars of the community, uh, very active in the church. Um, their kids grew up there. She has grandkids, all of that. One of the interviews that I read was like, she has a, a very strange lilting accent of like, I can that you kind of just chalk up to like, oh, she's Colombian and British, but there's like something else there. Yeah. Which is that she didn't have language it's for so long. The monkey factor. The monkey factor. It was only in recent years. So in 2013, she published a book called The Girl with No Name. Um, and the reason that book came to being was because her daughter, Vanessa, decided to piece together her mother's story. Because, again, they only mm-hmm. knew one part of it. And she just thought, let's get that part down. She didn't even imagine how much more was there. So she started writing it down as a private document for the family. Uh, Marina started writing it down with her daughter helping. And then the more that Vanessa found out, the more she thought it was an incredible story and would make a great book. And that maybe if it was published, she'd be able to track down who she actually was. Yes, that's what I was and really And her wondering. biological parents. Exactly. So they approached a number of publishers who all rejected the book, saying it couldn't be verified. It was too unbelievable, which it is an unbelievable story. It is. But the whole point is the Chapman family didn't want the proceeds. They wanted to publish the book so that Marina could find out who she really was, to find any family members that existed. And she has no memory of her parents. She has no memory of anything except physically being taken from that space. She, you know, a lot of doctors have said it's like a form of uh, trauma-based amnesia. Um, But then there's people who are like, it's because she made it all up. Which, looking at the story, I believe marina i think mm-hmm. i think there's enough uh enough weird in the universe to be yeah. like yeah this is believable um and they also said that uh they would give any proceeds of marina's book to the char- to a charity for abandoned children which is like the most british thing i've ever heard uh to phrase it as abandoned children yeah <laughs> in the u.s it would be not nearly as wholesome um so in the process of this uh, they did, in fact, find a publisher. Uh, I actually didn't write it down, but if you look up uh, the book, The Girl with No Name, the story of Marina Chapman, and I think the subtitle is even like The Girl Who Was Raised by Monkeys, even though she herself is like, I was Wasn't not raised, raised by monkeys. Um, you can find it. It's still in pu- it's still in print. It's in Am- on Amazon for sure. Um, it may not be at smaller independent booksellers just because mm-hmm. it's an older book from 2013. Um So in this process, uh, she and Vanessa visited Columbia to try to retrace Marina's footsteps. Um, Actually, uh, the Discovery Channel and National Geographic, I think in conjunction with Discovery Channel, filmed this. They, uh, Marina and Vanessa took one trip and then they went back after the book had been finished. So they, with the help of National Geographic, uh, to do more research. But so on the first trip, um, Vanessa and Marina, and I think her hus- Marina's husband, John, was with them as well, visited Columbia. They didn't find the rainforest exactly where she'd spent her formative years, which is all that she really wanted to do. But they did find the brothel mm-hmm. into which she'd been sold. They found the mafia house where she'd been enslaved. They found a neighbor who remembered Marina as the girl who came out of the jungle. Whoa. Which, like, isn't a thing that people would have known uh, in this small Colombian village. Mm-hmm. Like, um, they knocked on the door of the mafia house, 
Um, and Vanessa and John thought that Marina was going to try to exact revenge because apparently she was, she almost went into like a feral state, they called it, like pacing back and forth, looking like a caged animal. Um, however, the entire family they discovered had died or moved, so they didn't have to deal with that. And honestly, I don't think any of us would have yeah. blamed Marina. Um, so what she says about the experience is, uh, you do learn a lot of instinct from animals, especially when you're having to survive on the streets in a city. When you have to defend yourself, you know how to fight back. Whenever I've been attacked, I always hit before they hit me. You become a survivor, you become resilient and hard. I consider myself a really hard person. Tough. I take any problem I've got and I get on with it because you just have to carry on to survive. Um, in the second visit to Columbia, where National Geographic was with them, she went through all these like medical tests um, so that ostensibly they could discover if she was actually from that area. Okay. If, you know, her bones showed, because she had been so young, if they showed any evidence that like of malnourishment in her early childhood, whatever. And essentially the doctors were like, yeah, this kind of tracks. Like there's no way to actually, you know, prove it. Um, but they basically said the story holds water and it's completely believable. And at that time period, like, it could be that she wandered off and the, you know, kidnappers did come back for her. Maybe something horrible happened that she doesn't remember. Like, there's a lot of things that could have happened and trauma compounded with time and the unusual circumstances she just doesn't remember, which is probably a blessing. So, uh, essentially, she has now been living in the UK since the 70s. So, all of this, you know, when she was in the jungle, etc., most likely was, like, mid to late 60s-ish. Um, 1977 is when she first got to the UK, and then, um, you know, she was married soon after. So, uh, she and her family have been in Bradford ever since. Um, as far as I know, they're still there. Oh I gosh. hope they're, you know, thriving. Yeah. Um at least as of 2013, you know, they were still on this family quest to get more information. Um, I couldn't find whether she was actually able to connect with any family members. Honestly, it's possible that they are no longer living or just Mm -hmm. in a place close to the jungle where they're, you know, not able to access technology in the same way. So it it could be that she won't be able to find them, but fingers crossed that someone somewhere uh, reaches out to her or has already. We just don't know about it. But um, one of the articles uh, from, I believe, The Guardian ended with this quote from her, and I really wanted to include it because it's sort of heartbreaking and also, like, beautiful. Um, So uh, Marina says she has a recurrent dream, um, and she says quietly, I wonder, do the monkeys live longer than humans? I really think it's possible that they may remember me. Which is, like, such the voice of a five- or six-year-old saying, like, no, my friends. Also, my friends. family in a yeah. weird way because she doesn't know if her real family, her human exactly. family, remembered. Oh, that's so sad. That's so sad. But even, I mean, her her children said, like, um, you know, when she would rock them to sleep, she would make this, like, noise that they later, like, saw on an animal documentary. Oh, my gosh. And she, like, doesn't, you know, all the jokes of, like, do you speak monkey? And she's like, no, of course I don't. And everyone's like, no, she, that's not a thing. Like, but there are these inherent characteristics that I'm sure, you know, maybe someone, like one of the animals comforted her that way. And yeah. it's just Aww. kind or of her lizard brain. she just saw them being comforted. Yeah. It's just Aww. this like, 
sound that that comes out so I oh, thought that, that was, was really such a beautiful. good story um so that's the story of marina chapman um amazing yeah she's i mean truly talk about an i survived slash like yeah incredible story uh truly fantastic um so i mean to go from like being lost in the jungle quote raised by monkeys to like living a nice life in england it's like, yeah, in, like okay. the countryside of england what like how did you end up here <laughs> how did this the genre happen? of this tv show is too broad <laughs> yeah. but yeah they have like a beautiful extended family if you look them up there's like oh. great i'm i think they're all publicity photos but like everyone's sitting in a tree and it's mm-hmm. like really lovely oh there is one last thing that i'll say that i just think is really funny um as like a thing to hear from neighbors things that you don't hear from neighbors in new york city uh apparently when they first she and her husband john moved into their first house uh in bradford her neighbor was like you gotta stop climbing the trees your kids are gonna get made fun of at school (laughs) which i'd like to think that that's something that woman had also been told like i just enjoy the idea that from one housewife to another she was like you know what i used to climb the trees and my kids got teased ruthlessly i don't want that for you i'm surprised she said something look i'm married to a british man <laughs> she would have stewed in oh, yeah. that anger and never said a damn thing no. for the rest of her life she would have started the rumor you, you no she Sasha? wouldn't have even doing, done that really british people don't do that that she would have stewed in it and that was Yikes. it it would have bothered her forever and they would have never said anything and if anybody ever brought it up they'd make a noise like hmm. kind of like the monkey huh. noises yeah <laughs> In any case, I thought that was a fun note from a a neighbor. (laughs) Yeah, that is a good note. (laughs) Anyway, that's the story of Marina Chapman. Yay, that was good. Yeah. All right, Sarah, that was pretty good already. (laughs) But tell me something good. Yeah, I went rogue with it. Just go with it. It's fine. It's a remix. I like it. Can be cookie cutter. <laughs> um, oh, here's a, a good thing. Um, so it was the one year adoptiversary of our oh. beautiful cat Myrtle. Yeah. Um, who's perfect and a nightmare and perfect again. Um, and it just makes me really happy. And you know, I'm oh, glad she's around. Yay. Definitely glad Myrtle's Look forward around. to 30 plus more years with her. Just oh, go with it. It's good. <laughs> she will never die. It's the worst. Um, yeah. And we got her a, a catnip tiki drink. I saw it. Just so very cute. funny. We'll put so up a picture. Adorable. It's like a coconut shell with a, it's not, it, obviously it's not a real coconut shell or a real drink. She doesn't um, know that. Oh, and we got her like a a bucket bed. Bucket. It's bed? just like the bed with the the sides. Okay. And she just curls up in a circle in oh. it, and she's so pleased. Oh my god. Um, with her cocktail, which like big mood. Yeah. There's ever a doubt she ended up with the right family. There you go. With a cocktail. Talk about being raised by by you two. By, uh, <laughs> it's nurture over nature over here. <laughs> Um, okay. What about you? So, yeah, I guess I have 
big happy news uh i bought a house yeah <laughs> don't climb the trees i don't have a tree <laughs> i don't have a tree in the backyard let's get you some trees there's a shrub don't climb the shrubs <laughs> yeah i bought a house um with my husband tom um <laughs> and we're moving unfortunately Boo. uh not too far but moving uh so on saturday uh my friend who's also moving i don't know if she wants that information out so i won't say her name uh we had like a joint going away party and her current house where she like lives with roommates has two-story tall flamingos in the backyard there are installations of like the flamingos that you have the plastic ones that you put on your front lawn like the pink flamingo on the in the yard they have two of those in their backyard, and it's the greatest thing in the world. So it was our flamingoing away party. It was very, very fun and a great um, name. <laughs> but yeah, it meant that I got to see friends that I hadn't seen in over a year, some of them. Yeah. And it was really nice. Uh, I still also don't have much of a voice. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long weekend. <laughs> it was long. <laughs> but it was great, and that made me happy. Yeah. And thank you for guys for coming. It was so fun. Of course. Yeah. I wish we could fully express how large these flamingos are. but No, it's, I mean, I think she'll let me post a picture. I think so. Yeah, I think that's fine. I'll post a picture because they are incredible. In yeah. a Like, in a backyard in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. I mean, it's like, truly. Like, it's not a huge backyard. No, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's good they take a vertical vertical space that's true there are still horizontal. two of them yeah amazing and anyway. a hot tub anyway oh yeah they do have a hot tub um <laughs> it sounds so much more fancy than it is it was spectacular and for those of you who are wondering the podcast will not be affected by this move no oh god uh, no i have a room matthew's gonna come we just over get a dedicated and... space <laughs> <laughs> matthew's gonna come over and set shit up for me yeah so. <laughs> it's gonna be great i guess yeah we did it um so be nice to monkeys and don't trust hunters don't trust hunters and remember curiosity killed the cat but knowledge brought him back Thank you for listening to this episode of Color Me Curious. We'll be back next week with more spooky, eerie, and mysterious stories. If you have a spooky story you want to share, send us an email at colormecuriouspod at gmail.com. And if you're still curious, follow us on Instagram at colormecuriouspod or on Facebook under Color Me Curious Podcast. Color Me Curious is hosted by Zasha and Sarah. It is edited by Matthew Kane. Our theme music is In the Dark by Crowender from the Free Music Archive with additional music by Matthew Kane. Remember, always love on flamingos. No, don't love on flamingos. Look at flamingos. Be nice to monkeys. No, yeah, that's better. Let's do that again.